Starting and sustaining a business is hard. Whether you're just beginning or have been at it for a while and need a pick-me-up, you're about to get exactly what you need. Welcome to Go For It. Your host is Joe Hausman. Today, you'll hear stories from others on how to keep going and laugh while you learn. Here is your host, Joe Hausman. Hello, hello. This is Joe Hosman. Thank you so much for listening today and every day to my show, Go For It, where I bring on expert guests who can help enlighten us and also help us grow as business owners and individuals. But remember, I am your Go For It celebrity business and life coach, also a speaker, voiceover artist, and international best-selling author. You know, I brand myself as a celebrity business coach just because of the fact that I can help you find different media outlets that you can start growing your home-based business and then getting it out to the media outlets to really help promote yourself and promote your show or promote your business. So, wow, look at that, huh? What exciting times. And today is no different because today I have on some awesome guests. And just another uh, note is go to if you go to my website, johosman.com, I do have a free download there, The Secrets to Realizing Your Dreams, because I want you to realize your dreams and become bigger, better, bolder, and stronger with each and every day. All right. And you know what? Today is no different. I have on, I am really excited about these guys, this wonderful dynamic duo who, okay, if you know me, you know that I love wine and I love businesses. So when I was um, approached by these guys to have them on my show, I said, absolutely. They are the original founders of Barefoot Wine. So Michael Houlihan and Bonnie Harvey are international keynote speakers and New York Times bestselling authors of Barefoot Spirit, How Hardship, Hustle, and Heart Built America's Number One Wine Brand and the Entrepreneurial Culture, 23 Ways to Engage and Empower Your People. From humble beginnings in a laundry room of a rented farmhouse to the boardroom of their acquirer, the world's largest wine company, E&J Gallo, they learn lessons applicable to any business. They consult and train startups and Fortune 500s on brand building and company culture. They regularly contribute to national and international media on a wide range of business topics. Their websites are www.thebarefootspirit.com and also www.thebrandauthority.net. Michael and Bonnie, welcome to my show. Go for it. Thank you, Joe. Wow, that was a wonderful introduction. We're so happy to be here. Well, I'm so happy to have you guys on. What I like to do with all my guests is just give a little synopsis and I... I know that it can take longer, but if we can, you know, give about five-minute synopsis of where you guys have come from and what you're doing today. Well, you want to know how we got into this crazy business, the wine business, huh? Yeah, (laughs) that's my favorite. Bonnie, why don't you tell her a little bit about that? Well, we kind of fell into the wine vat backwards. We never intended on being in the wine industry We were not wine drinkers when we moved to Sonoma County, which is north of San Francisco, about an hour. But this, we moved here because it's so beautiful, and there's some redwoods and the river and the Pacific Ocean. Um, So we each were working independently, consulting with various clients. I had a client who was a grape grower. A lot of our clients were in the industry. And he wasn't paid for his grapes. 
So I was a bit concerned about this, and I said, Michael, can you help my client collect the funds for his grapes? So Michael went off to um, the winery that had owed him the most money, which uh, was Souverine Winery at the time. And the $300,000 that our grape grower was owed, um, it didn't look very good because the bank, the um, the winery had just declared bankruptcy. Hmm. So there was no That's... funds to collect. Oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah. Michael, you know, he really is kind of a take-charge person. He didn't want to, you know, lose that control, so he was trying to talk to the people that had already taken over the winery, which were basically the grape growers that had some good contracts, which my client did not, and he, um, he managed to negotiate for bulk wine and bottling services. That's all he could get out of it. So there we were, pretty much instead of being stuck being owed 300000 we and our client were stuck uh, with bulk wine and bottling services. So then we had to go out and figure out what it was the market wanted, come up with a label, get all the licenses, do all this stuff. And that's how we got into this crazy business of the wine industry. <laughs> wow, that is really interesting. Yeah, it was very humbling, you know, because ignorance is bliss. Mm-hmm. And you say, okay, so what we'll do is we'll just turn these assets into money and pay our client back. So we did, like Bonnie said, all the research and everything, and we were all ready to go, and, you know, we had a label and everything. And uh, then uh, her client says, hey, wait a minute, I don't want to get into wine sales. I'm into wine growing, and I'm into wine making. I can't take on wine sales. That's a whole different business. And actually, that was very smart of him (laughs) in retrospect. Because we were going, well, you know, how hard can it be? How long can it take, right? And, of course, it took forever, and it was extremely difficult. But we got started uh, because we said, look, instead of you owning the business and us working for you, why not we own the business and we'll owe you the money that the winery owed you, and then we'll pay you off. And we wind up paying the guy off four years later, you know, in payments and whatnot. So he got 100% on his money, and the other farmers in that bankruptcy got like three cents on the dollar, and, of course, the lawyers took that. Right, exactly. So it worked out good for him. Um, In the long run, it worked out good for us, but it set us up with a big challenge. Oh, my gosh, yeah. But, you know, isn't that the truth? When when you're faced with those big challenges is when a lot of your breakthroughs come through. Yeah, absolutely. And you have a paradigm shift. In this case, because our client was unable to or decided not to take over the business and we took it over, it was really an opportunity that we could take advantage of and we really could not pass up that opportunity. Mm-hmm. So many people go out with this grand idea of what it is that they want to accomplish or produce or create and it's a passion that they have. They want to follow their passion and God bless them. I wish them well. But we followed an opportunity passionately. And I think that that is uh, something that a lot of people aren't looking for, that they don't have their eyes open to this. And if more people would look around for the opportunities that exist all around them, they'd find that they have a lot more options of how they want to spend their time and energy. 
Exactly. So many people are closed-minded because sometimes, like you, like I just said, you know, opportunities present themselves as problems first, and then they turn around into opportunities, and the paradigm shift in your head just happens, and then it turns into a gift in the end. Not, you know, not always, but most likely it does. And so, yeah, if you can, you know, when I open up my mind and my eyes, there are so many opportunities that come to me every day. And every week and every month, it's just what I choose to go after and what I choose not to. Exactly. And so what we're doing now is we're helping people get started in business uh, very much like you are. Uh, They're sitting there scratching their heads saying, what should I do? Or they've decided what they're going to do, and they've run into a wall like a distribution wall. You know, how am I going to get my product to market? How am I going to get people to, to know what I have to offer and so we learned all this the hard way because when we were start when we started we were broke, and when you're broke, you really um, become resourceful very fast. Mm-hmm. So I guess if you wanted to put it in a nutshell, uh, what Bonnie and I do is we help people really take full advantage of their hidden resources. Mm-hmm. I love that because there's so many. Pe- don't you believe? Don't you agree that so many people? say, well, I'm broke, so I can't afford to run a business. But actually, you can. There are so many different things. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about how you get somebody started who has that mindset belief that they don't, you know, they don't have the financial means. And how do they get financing? So how do you get people started into that mindset that, yes, they can do it and that there is avenues out there for them to research? There are many avenues, and we discovered them the hard way. And that's why we're so anxious to share them with other people now. When you start off and you think you want to go into a business, maybe let's just use our industry as an example. So we're going into the wine industry, right? So that means we need a vineyard, we need a production facility, bottling line, tanks, tasting room, and all of that, right? Oh, and offices, of course. Mm-hmm. Well, We didn't have any of those things. And as a matter of fact, outside of the offices, we never did. We were in business for 20 years, became one of the fastest-growing wine brands in the nation, and we didn't have a vineyard. We didn't have a winery or a tasting room. And what we did is we contracted with people who did have those things. And Good people idea. that are going mm-hmm. into business today, they need to look around, and the things that they think they need they don't have to buy. You don't have to go out and plant a vineyard, which takes, what, three, four years to grow before you've got anything to produce anyway. We don't have that kind of time nor money. So look at who has an excess of what it is that you need, who has the facility, who has the, the products, and um, do your research. You'll learn a lot, and then you can find your strategic allies and work with them. So, so to summarize Bonnie's point, um, we say outsource everything except for sales, quality control, and accounting. Those oh. are the three things you cannot outsource, but everything else you can outsource. And then, Tell me course, that again. Outsource everything except for what accounting and what was sales, the other ones? For sales. sales. You, have to out, you uh-huh. cannot outsource sales. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Somebody will say, oh, don't worry, I'll sell it for you. Don't believe them. Don't believe mm-hmm. them. Okay. You have to sell it yourself. Uh, <clears throat> sales. So, mm-hmm. 
sales. Sales, accounting, and what was the other third one? Quality control. Quality control. There and you go. And that's why you can use your contracted services um, and get the most out of them because somebody from your company or you yourself are there making sure that the printer has everything lined up and it's exactly the colors you want, making sure, in our case, I was on the bottling line, making sure the labels were straight and the, the foils were going on without being too wrinkled and mm-hmm. because nobody cares about it as much as you do. Yeah, exactly. Business. Amen. Mm-hmm. So exactly. The, that's how you can use all the contracted services is by really paying attention to what they're doing and being there when they're doing the work that you've asked them to do. We like to say that when we got started, our contracts to have people do stuff for us were like three pages long. But when we sold our business, they were 37 pages long. Oh, wow. wow. So the idea is, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Yeah. Fool me twice, shame on me. Yeah, so exactly. The same old-fashioned lesson, only mm-hmm. now you're applying it to a contract. And so if you get into uh, this whole idea that it's okay to make mistakes as long as you write them down, then your business gets bigger and stronger and you become more confident. And the nice thing about outsourcing is you can say to your suppliers, look, if you guys don't do this exactly perfect according to this contract, I'm not going to pay you. Whereas if you have your own facility, you're under a tremendous amount of financial pressure to put it out, even if it's wrong, even if it's mediocre, even if it's not right, because you've got so much invested in it. So mm-hmm. that's one of the great advantages of outsourcing. And when we say outsourcing, we're not talking about outsourcing to China here. There are people in your city, in your town, in your state that would love to do things for you. So mm-hmm. it's just a question of your ability to find them and negotiate with them and to really set down the parameters for what it is that you'll accept. And you're going to get Thanks. better at it. So that's yeah. just one example Now, Bonnie mentioned another one that is, we think is really important is, you know, who are your strategic allies? Mm -hmm. So now you're starting a business. The first question you have to say is, who get rich? Who's going to get rich if I get rich? You know, what other companies are going to benefit if I benefit? Mm -hmm. Now, in our case, we were in the wine business, so we needed packaging material, which is glass, corks, foils, that kind of thing. So obviously that company would get rich if we got rich, if we were able to sell thousands and thousands and thousands of their products, that would be great for them. So the reason you want to know who these strategic allies are is because they're the ones that you can work with to develop credit in terms because they benefit if you benefit. So you need to work with them Sit down with them every quarter, whether they ask for it or not. Tell them your plans. Tell them your problems. You know, if you miss a payment, you know, call them ahead of time and say, hey, I'm going to miss this payment, but I've got a plan to get back, you know, on track within 30 or 40 days. That way you're building credibility by showing empathy. Love it. I love it. I love it. That is such awesome information. I will let you guys know, too. We have about two minutes until break. So, and then when we come back, we have so much more to talk about. But building credibility, you know, even with your customers and your joint venture partners and everybody you're working with, that not that the number one thing? You want to build that credibility um, with everybody. Yes, building relationships takes mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. It's not a vaccination but it's something you do over a period of time, and you have to continue doing it. That's why we would meet 
with our suppliers on a quarterly basis and share everything with them. And there are challenges, such as we've just gotten into the largest chain in Florida, and they want to put barefoot wines in all their stores, but we don't have enough credit with you to buy all the glass corks and foils to bottle up for their needs. So because we've had this relationship over a period of time and built this trust, they extended our credit, and they gave us more supplies with an extended period of time to pay for them because they were going to benefit. When we benefited, they were going to grow when, when we grew, and they had trusted us. They, um, they realized that we were trustworthy uh, because of our relationship that had been built over a period of time. Absolutely. I just think that is so key in anything you do is building that relationship and keep networking no matter what, but also go out and find those partners that you can you can help benefit them and they'll help benefit you. So ladies and gentlemen, when we come back after break, we're going to talk more to Michael and Bonnie because they have so much more wisdom. I seriously wish we had hours to talk because they have so much wisdom to share with us. It is just incredible. I am so excited. If you have questions for the show, feel free to call in with any questions to one 866 472 5790. We'd like to answer them over the over the air with you. If not, you know, if you have my cell phone, text me, email me, and we can get those on the air as well. So ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back after break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. I've got a special offer just for listeners of Go For It. Visit joehosman.com today and get a 20% discount off of my most popular three-month coaching package. This is a $1,500 value. This discount coupon is available only on my website joehosman.com where you can also get information about other services like strategy sessions, my book, coaching, and training programs. Also support for the radio show and much more. Don't wait. Check out joehosman.com for the special offer today. If you are looking for a dynamic speaker for your organization or event, I would love to speak at your venue. Hi, I'm Joe Hosman, the host of Go For It on Voice America. My topics range from starting your own virtual assistant business to living a triumphant life. Right now, one of my most popular topics is from my Women Empowerment series about support for today's women-built businesses and women in leadership. Visit my website, joehosman.com, or call 605-941-7969 for more information. Again, that's joehosman.com or 605-941-7969. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. listening to go for it to reach joe hausman with a comment or question about the show please send an email to joe at joehausman.com that's j-o at joehausman.com now back to go for it welcome back to go for it 
fantastic show today. I have on Michael Houlihan and Bonnie Harvey. They're from the barefootspirit.com and also the brandauthority.net. We are talking businesses and starting businesses and really the ins and outs of business. During the first segment, we talked about financing. And it's all about that, building credibility and building relationships with people you can help build their business and they're going to help you build your business. Now, this segment, we're going to talk about Something that I know some people cringe about and some people don't cringe as much about, but that's employees. And so Michael and Bonnie, talk to us about employees and how people should, I don't want to say deal with them, but how they should um, employ them. Employees are your greatest assets. Mm -hmm. And what your goal is, is to hire good people and train great people. So how do you do that? What do you look for? So you've got to start right off in the hiring process. You look for somebody who has enthusiasm. You look for somebody who is excited about working for your company. You look for, for somebody that has hustle, somebody that moves quickly, thinks quickly, and um, shows that they really appreciate you and your company. And we also look for integrity. Now, how do you find these characteristics? Well, let's just start with integrity. You might say, well, what was the thing that you were most proud of in your last job? And they're going to brag about what they'd accomplished. And then you're going to throw them for a loop. You're going to say, well, what was it? Uh, what was your biggest mistake? Mm-hmm. And if they say something like, well, I never made a mistake, but somebody else made a mistake, and it was on my watch, and they blamed me, Well, that's not the employee you want. They're not Mm -hmm. going to take responsibility for their own actions. But if you get somebody that says, you know, I really made a whopper, and I realized how I did it, and then we sat down and we changed our forms, changed our procedures to make that mistake less likely to happen again. And of that, I'm pretty proud because something good came out of it. That's somebody you want to work with. That's somebody that really has... Um, compassion for the situation and somebody that has integrity. Now, how do you find hustle? You're looking for somebody who's moving quickly, who's got excitement, and you might just ask them to get up and, and walk someplace with you. Or, you know, we would ha- we were very fortunate we had a lake next to our office. We'd walk them around the lake and see if they could talk and walk at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interestingly mm-hmm. enough, not all of them were able to. And really? enthusiasm. They show that by coming in maybe with a pen and paper. They're taking their own notes. They've already got their own questions for you. It's not just an interview that's one way. And they've already done the research on your company. They know your goals. They know your accomplishments. They know the awards that you've won. And they talk about this during the interview. And they say they're not just there to get a job. They're, they are interviewing for this position in your company because they want to work for you in this industry, and in this company. And that's a great start when you're hiring someone. And another thing that we did, and this is a great tool for your audience, is on the last interview, after they made it by everybody else, you know, all the other sub-interviews, and you finally get down to the last three or four, you say, okay, um, this time uh, we're going to do all the talking. 
And so you sit them down and you tell them what the job is. You tell them the relationship of the job to the other people in the company. You tell them how the money gets to the company, um, all the hands that it passes through, and how the job has an impact on that. Um, and then at the end of the interview, you say, um, now, listen, I'd like you to give me a one-page summary by 5 o'clock tomorrow that summarizes exactly what we've spoken about today, about the job and you know, how you fit in, and, and all in one page. Mm-hmm. And you'd be surprised. Only about half of the people can like, execute that assignment. Really? You don't want to find that out after you've hired them. Mm-hmm. And I'll, the other thing you find out in that assignment is you find out if they have cognition. Can they remember things? Because if they can't remember things, you're going to be training them forever, and they're never going to get it. They're just going to keep saying, like, what, like, what, like, what, and they're going to be example-free. Mm-hmm. So they're never going to really understand the principles behind the examples. So the other thing, too, is they can have their resume made by a professional, but when you ask them, when you give them an assignment, an interactive assignment like that, they're not going to hire a professional. So you're going to see how they write, how they use the English language. You know, do they communicate? Can they communicate? And so all these are really shortcuts to make employees less of a headache. Well, isn't it true if you do the a lot of the work up front, you don't have to do as much later because you've already done your research to make sure that they are a good candidate for your position, for the position that you have open. And then, you know, they have to go through training and everything, but the part is that you've already done a lot of your work ahead of time. Exactly. Yeah. And then the second thing that we do that's a great tool for your listeners is when we hired people, we gave them two pieces of paper, okay? They're called process maps today or, in, or in, infographs. One is the money map, and this shows in graphic form how the money starts with the customer, goes from the customer, you know, maybe to the store or on the Internet or however the money goes, and all the hands that it passes through, you know, the delivery vehicles, everything else, to get to you. And then what happens is the money that gets to you is in a bag, and that's where all of the The employee benefits and the salaries and the bonuses, they all come out of this one pot, and Mm -hmm. that's what's left over after everybody else has been paid and covered all their overhead expenses. Mm -hmm. So if somebody wants a raise they have to increase sales right from the beginning. You don't get a raise just because the company is, is you know, got a whole bunch of money, you think, right? Maybe mm-hmm. I've got a big pile of money in the backyard and I just shovel it into your trunk every payday. Well, that's not what happens. So by understanding where the money comes from and all the hands it has to pass and all the expenses that everyone that touches your product or your service incurs along the way, it helps the employee better understand how they can influence um, that money map. And then the other piece of paper we gave them was called the two-division company. Now, a lot of companies, they have lots of divisions, and they get, they get really carried away with the division of labor. We think all companies only have two divisions. One division is called sales. Mm-hmm. The other division is called sales support. So basically, everybody who works in the company who's not in sales, their paycheck comes from sales. 
And so if they don't know how their job affects sales, then you've got some serious problems. So what you really have to do is keep them aware of how their job affects sales. So yeah. that's why we have this map. So we have the money map and the two-division company. And that's mm-hmm. how we get people started. And then, and then what, Bonnie? And then we continue through this period of training and such by um, giving them acknowledgement and validation when they're doing something right. And not just them verbally, but talking uh, over the email and sending out announcements to everyone in the company so they'll have better appreciation for what this individual does and how they can be better uh, uh, prepared to work with them. And that's what people really love is validation, acknowledgement, appreciation. Because how many times do you hear people say, well, you know, I like my job, but I just didn't like the people I was working with. They didn't appreciate me. Mm -hmm. So that's really important to people at at any level, giving validation and appreciation. Mm -hmm. Did you guys ever hire anybody virtually? Oh, yeah, we do, we, yeah, we, we do now. Um, mm-hmm. We hired people throughout the nation as salespeople. And oh, we'd have sure. to interview them, mm-hmm. and we'd have our top salespeople interview them. And if somebody was in their territory, we would go there to meet them in person. But when that all, all didn't work, we would fly them here. We would take the top candidates, and we'd bring them here. We'd actually put them up in our home. Mm-hmm. And um, we'd have an opportunity to spend some time with them. And And you get to really know them, yeah, while they're in your home. That's a great idea. Yeah, it's an important position, and Mm -hmm. and it's not something to take lightly. So Mm -hmm. um, we would bring them here to our home, and then we would take them to our office, and they would meet everyone in the office and understand what that person did and how their position would be working with that person. As a salesperson, they'd want to know who was in marketing and how they could work uh, with their marketing needs. We always ask from our salespeople information about what's going on in the field. Our marketing department did not say, this is the marketing materials that you're going to use in your territory. It was just the opposite. Our salespeople were asked, what's going on in your territory? What's working? What is the community interested in, for instance? What do you need what can I give you to help you um, increase your sales? Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of companies, we found out, really don't do that. The marketing department determines everything that the salespeople get, and they don't always use it. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. They don't always use it, is right. Yeah. Well, and I was just thinking back when I had my virtual assistant business when I started in 2005, at one point I had 10 virtual assistants underneath me, and it kind of came at rapid fire because I had so much work coming at me that I hired some people and some people I was very diligent about getting to know their information, but some people I did not. So kind of like what we were talking about before, uh, fool me once, you know, shame on you, fool me once, fool me twice, shame on me. And so that's why I often wondered if you hired anybody virtually, if you went through the same process, but it sounds like you did and more so because you invited them into your home and you got to know them on a more personal level. Yeah, and the other thing with virtual help, whether it's virtual assistance or whatever, you better really make it clear what you want them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when they do the job for you, like especially with batch work, they do the job, then you have to really sit there and review the work with them 
on the line, get a video conversation going with them. You know, use, use one of the great video platforms we have today and just sit there and go over their work with them. That is really important. They need to have uh, reviews on a regular basis, and they will become better because of the review. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I will tell you, that's where I did not do that. I where just one person in particular I remember and I ended up doing their work till like two or three o'clock in the morning I remember one night and it was my own fault it really was and I take full responsibility for it and I didn't train her properly the other ones did great it's just one in particular so I know what you're talking about and yeah the video conferencing go over the work with them and and that's with anybody though with any of the employees you just have to show them what you know where they've done wrong and then just you know give them appreciation for the job that they're doing right and keep moving forward absolutely all right well let's go on to customers because we have about five minutes until break but let's go on to customers and how do you find customers well first of all what we recommend is starting small making your mistakes in a small place. Mm-hmm. Get your act together before you take your show on the road. I like now, that. The beauty, mm-hmm. the beauty of being under finance is that you don't have any choice. But what happens with a lot of people is they get a big check from somebody and they go out and they try to go national or regional right off the bat, and then they find out that they can't support their sales because they didn't really comprehend the details that were involved in the sales. For instance, for us, we thought, oh, we're selling wine. We're selling wine at a good price point. It's a great value. It'll fly off the shelves. What we didn't realize is we had to put it on the shelf, every shelf. We had to dust every bottle, every bottle. We had to do a lot of the pricing. We had to do a lot of the stocking. We had to make sure that it was reordered. In fact, we got into the distribution management business, and we thought we were in the wine business. So every business has this secret labor thing that's going on that nobody tells you about. And then you get into the business, and you start going, wow, I didn't sign up for this. What, kind of, what is this? Why am mm-hmm. I doing this? I thought somebody else was supposed to do this, mm-hmm. and they don't. So, mm-hmm. so that's the first thing you have to know. And the worst customer experience in the world is they love you, but they can't get you, or they want you, but you're not there. So distribution is the key to success and gaining access to your customers. Mm-hmm. But, Bonnie, tell, why don't you tell them some more about uh, customers and how they can help you? Well, let's talk about your buyers. Your buyers are customers. Anybody that really touches your product or your service is a customer, and by looking at them that way, you'll have more appreciation for what their needs are and how you can better work with them to get them to do the job that you have to rely on them to do. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the big buyers. In our industry, we had wine chain store buyers. They would buy a product, maybe bring it into their own warehouse and send it off to five or 600 stores. Well, when you have a relationship with this kind of a buyer, there's a lot of things that you can do. And let's talk about what we first talked about, finance. So you've got an opportunity to work with these big buyers by giving them a big discount. It's what we did. We were in a cash flow crunch, so we offered um, several truckloads at a discounted price if they could pay in cash. 
so we're going to get enough cash, and it is discounted, but we're going to save our credit, and we can grow faster because we've got this cash in our hands right away. So this was all great, and we were very happy to have that opportunity. But then something interesting happened. Because their warehouse was filled with all this wine, more than they usually have, the warehouse man complained and said, you know, we've got to get this product out of here. We've got too much wine in the warehouse. We need some more room. So he pushed it out onto the stores. And the stores get it, and they say, well, you know, I think we've got so much wine here, we'd better put it on sale. So they advertise it, and they put it on sale. Well, when it's on sale, you've got more customers coming in and trying your product. A lot of them are new customers. They come back, and they're looking for more. We ended up selling a lot more, a lot faster by making this big uh, purchase, by them making this big purchase in the first place, and it increased our sales in that area from then on. Nice. Isn't that an interesting mm-hmm. uh, byproduct? That's, that's very interesting. Well, and that's, you know, and, and you saved your credit and you're able to pay, you know, pay cash. And so good for you guys. It's just finding out those little techniques that work within your business but and what's going to help you and help them. You know, it, it's all about relationships. If you it don't is. have a relationship with that buyer, that isn't going to happen. Exactly. And it all comes back to that no matter what you're doing. It all comes back to those building relationships. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen, we have about 30 seconds until break. So I wanted to give a shout out again. If you have any questions for the show, you can give us a call at one 866 472-5790 or you can give me an email joe at joehosman.com be happy to read those on the air or if you have a call in certainly call in and we can certainly ask it on the air but when we come back we're going to talk a little bit more still about customers and then a big one which is advertising and marketing which is always huge for businesses so ladies and gentlemen we will be right back after break Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you are looking for a dynamic speaker for your organization or event, I would love to speak at your venue. Hi, I'm Joe Hosman, the host of Go For It on Voice America. My topics range from starting your own virtual assistant business to living a triumphant life. Right now, one of my most popular topics is from my Women Empowerment series about support for today's women-built businesses and women in leadership. Visit my website, joehosman.com, or call 605-941-7969 for more information. Again, that's joehosman.com or 605-941-7969. I've got a special offer just for listeners of Go For It. Visit joehosman.com today and get a 20% discount off of my most popular three-month coaching package. This is a $1,500 value. This discount coupon is available only on my website, joehosman.com, where you can also get information about other services like strategy sessions, my book, coaching and training programs also support for the radio show and much more don't wait check out joehosman.com for the special offer today we're always talking business talk to an expert call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network 
listening to Go For It. To reach Joe Hausman with a comment or question about the show, please send an email to joe at joehausman.com. That's J-O at joehausman.com. Now back to Go For It. Welcome back to Go For It. Hey, are you learning as much as I am on this show today? Wonderful guests, Michael Houlihan and Bonnie Harvey. And you know what? They're from thebarefootspirit.com and thebrandauthority.net. We are talking financing, employees, customers. We're still going to talk a little bit more about customers, but then we're going to talk about advertising and marketing for your business. It They have such wonderful insight because they've been in the business for over 20, well, over 20 years, right? You own Barefoot for 20 years. And then you've been you've been teaching entrepreneurs how to start businesses since then. So let's yes. talk a little bit more about going into the customers and the marketing and advertising part of it. Well, the best advertising you can get is not necessarily a billboard or a television commercial, but it's, Word of it's mouth. having your customers mm-hmm. as advocates. It's having your customers refer your product or your service to their friends and their family. Word of mouth. That's what really worked best for us, and it was it was uh, something that we really found by accident because, like everybody, when you're starting off, you think, oh, I've got a product. I guess I'd better advertise it. Well, we didn't have the funds to advertise it, so we went into the community, and we started supporting community fundraisers, and by oh, doing that, we would tell them where the product was available in the markets around their community fundraiser. And they would go there and see the product, and they'd say, oh, this product supports my cause, so I'm mm-hmm. going to support them. And they would buy the product. And, of course, if, you know, if you've got a good product at a good price, which we did have, then they would advertise it with their friends by telling their friends and sharing the product with their friends, and that's how we got the word out. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a difference between cause marketing and what we call worthy cause marketing. So now cause marketing, you're addressing the general public and you're saying, look, I supported, you know, the American Cancer Society and I'm a good guy and you should buy my my product because they have this pink ribbon on it. Well, that's dealing with the general public. But what we're talking about here is something much more um, back porch and mm-hmm. a much more um, startup where what you're doing is you're supporting a local group, a local nonprofit that's trying to uh, achieve a worthy cause, and you're helping them in a number of ways with the hopes that the membership of that cause will have a social reason to buy your product. And that's the key. So why do they have a social reason to buy your products? It's because you're promoting their goals on your products with little signs and tags or on your website or you are going to their meetings and you're helping them set up and tear down. You're a member of their group. They see you as a group, as an advocate. So they say, you know, I could buy anything, but I think I'll buy this product because these people support my cause, like Bonnie says. And so what you're really doing here is you're turning your customers into advocates and your advocates into customers. It also helps with name recognition, too. The more you're seen out in the public, especially your, your local public, the better name recognition you have. 
and then the more that they want to support you because they know you're supporting their, you know, the community with which you live or where you live. Exactly. And we took this idea of supporting community fundraisers and nonprofits throughout the nation, and our salespeople were responsible in each territory for what organizations that they would sponsor, that they would support. And um, by doing this, it kept it small. It kept it in the neighborhood, and it kind of made us a bigger fish in a smaller pond. We couldn't compete with the big bucks for uh, the large fundraisers that are national, so we'd work with the communities, and basically that endeared us uh, to the communities and vice versa. It's also part of our theory was also what one of our salespeople came up with. He said, strike where the enemy is not. Oh, I like that. Strike when the enemy is not. What does that mean, anyway? (laughs) It means get in there and make yourself known in areas where there's not a lot of competition. Ah, okay. Working with Mm -hmm. small community fundraisers, that was the way that we did that. Another way would be instead of uh, trying to go to the top cities in a territory, we would work with the smaller towns where there's less representatives in the smaller towns and the smaller stores. Um, so we didn't have that, <clears throat> excuse me, we didn't have that big competition. Mm-hmm. Yes, Great ideas. With small chains instead of going after the largest chains and kind of work our way up. Um, Absolutely. And how amazing right and what a great not. marketing tool. Oh, thank you. This It's amazing what you do when you're broke. You really get smart, huh? Yeah, exactly. I, yes, I can totally relate. You just have to think outside the box, really. And, and instead know, of trying to go after the big shots, you know, I mean, go out because everybody's trying to get their business going. Sure. So you're helping and each unfortunately, other. Unfortunately, we're all brainwashed by the media that is telling everybody, oh, you can't start a business unless you get funding. You know, you can't build a business unless you have a cash infusion. And, you know, the fact is you really want to build your business slow because you're going to make mistakes and you need to see what those mistakes are. You're going to find out, for instance, that your product or service needs tweaking. Well, what if you got large before you found that out? See? Mm-hmm. Then you'd have some, a heck of a job trying to backtrack. But we like mm-hmm. to say, when you start your business, don't sell any further away than you can drive in one day and apologize. Oh, I like that. That's, I've never heard that before. That's great. And, and then that'll give you some idea of how local uh, startup business success really is. Because ultimately, you have to have a positive cash flow which means you're making more money in sales than it's costing you to be there. So you have to reduce the areas where you're spending money, which is what we said in the first part of the show, which is to outsource as much as you can so you don't have that big overhead that's hungry for dollars every month, whether or not you're making sales, because that will put you out of business faster than anything. And so, you know, stay as light and, uh, you know, as you can and keep that belt as tight as you can uh, and be a lean startup. Uh, we like to say, we, we call it the barefoot startup. It's beyond lean. It's like when you're barefoot, you have to think about, gee, is there glass on the ground? Is there rocks on the ground? Is it, is it, uh, is it grass? Is it, is it smooth? Is it rough? 
mm-hmm. and so you can't go running out there. You've got to take baby steps before you walk, and you've got to walk before you run. And you have to tread lightly. Yes. You know, and I like that. You have to take baby steps before you run. I, I always worry about people that jump out huge right from the gate because I, I'm I'm worried for them, which I probably shouldn't be, but I am. I, I worry for them because I don't want anybody to fail, but also because of failures is where you learn your strengths from. Exactly. And don't you agree? People shouldn't be afraid of making mistakes. That's part mm-hmm. of the learning process. You don't mm-hmm. want to beat yourself up. But you don't want to have expanded to such a degree so quickly that you can't make up for the mistakes because you're you're spread out. You're right. you're overextended at that point. But right. people that think that they need a lot of money or a lot of experience, I really want them to realize that Barefoot Wines, which is now the number one wine brand in the world, was started by a company, uh, a couple actually that uh, had no money, that had no experience in that industry. And we were able to build it up um, to one of the fastest-growing wine brands in the nation. And you can do it, too. If you're looking at the situation that you've got and looking at your resources, don't forget to reach out to the suppliers that you have. Your accounts payable, your accounts receivable, there's gold there. There's gold in them that are built, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can make use of it by building good relationships, not just with the people that you're doing business with, but also with your end users, with your community. Exactly. And you have to build those relationships to be able to build a business. Because if nobody knows who you are, they're not going to, you can't do business, actually. And so it's really about, you know, starting small. I love that because you do it like on a barefoot budget. So you all kinds of goes around. And you know what? How did you, how did you come up with the name Barefoot Wine? Well, we wanted a name that was as far away from nose in the air as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. So we thought feet on the ground. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and I love flip-flops. the way that wine was originally made barefoot and also, it has implications, uh, you know, if you get barefoot, uh, you're going to have a great time because uh, it's a recreational thing to do, whether you're you know, running around your house barefoot or you're in the hot tub barefoot or you're on the beach barefoot. It's just, mm-hmm. it's a way to relax and let your hair down. That's right. I will tell everybody, too, the first time I talked to you, Michael and Bonnie, I went and opened up my refrigerator. And what do I have in my refrigerator? It's all barefoot wine because, first of all, I love flip-flops. And secondly, I love the – well, of course, I love the taste of the wine. You guys have, you know, created something magnificent. And then also, yeah, I I like that philosophy of barefoot, footloose, and fancy-free, able to kind of be carefree. And that's kind of the persona I get with it. But also it comes back to the taste and the name recognition and everything I like about it. So, you guys, I so appreciate you guys being on the show. I know you just gave some great information. But we have about four minutes until the end of the show. Is there any last parting words? And I know you have um, a training course that you would like to talk about, too. Right. So, you you know, that big uh, creepy tunnel that uh, you're getting ready to go into when you're thinking about a business. There's a lot of unknowns. Probably the biggest question we get is what do you do about the unknown? And the other question is how do you keep going when you get hit in the head with a brick that falls out of the sky? And so... What we said was, why don't we put together a kind of a conversational um, picnic video where we sit at a picnic table and we talk to you as if you were our guest. 
and we just say, you know, here we are, here's Michael and Bonnie, you know, they just did this awesome thing, but, you know, they got their butts kicked really hard, and they learned a lot of lessons the hard way, you know, what can they tell us? And so we created this course called uh, the Barefoot Startup GPS, and it stands for Guiding Principles for Success. And it's just like the GPS in your car, but instead of putting an address in it and having it tell you where, how to get there, it is actual guiding principles that can help you in your business. Like you wouldn't go out on the ocean uh, with all the unknowns out there if you didn't have sonar, radar, you know, GPS, weather, uh, wind, all of that kind of information because you might sink your ship. Well, your entrepreneurship is no different. And so what we've done is put together a real course. It's four hours, and it deals with the first thing is, you know, why are we doing it, you know? Why are you doing the business? And the second one is cash flow management, got to pay the bills, right? The next one is, um, you know, uh, personnel management, you got to hire people, got to train them, got to lead them. And then the last one is distribution management, got to sell it. You know, how do you sell it? How do you you throw it? And we only have about a minute until the end of the show. So where can they go to find that? To your website? Yes, they can go to www.thebarefootspirit.com and they can find everything there. Perfect. Bonnie and Michael, thank you so much for being wonderful guests today. You have given fantastic information. And ladies and gentlemen, I hope you took as many notes as I did because this is valuable, valuable information that you don't find anywhere. So just take notes and go and get their their training course at thebarefootspirit.com. Michael and Bonnie, thank you so much. And ladies and gentlemen, as always, I want you to live bigger, better, bolder, and stronger each and every day. So you can always check out my website, johosman.com. And there I have a a 15-minute discovery strategy session. And remember, you are stronger than what you give yourself credit for. If you want to go in business, you go start that business and ask Michael and Bonnie for help. You know what? And go get their download. I mean, sorry, their um, their course, their Burford Startup GPS course. It will be worth your while. Ladies and gentlemen, Till next week, take care, God bless, and have a great week. Thank you for listening to Go For It. Be sure to come back next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time for another edition with your host, Joe Hausman, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great day and an even better week. 